Good morning. After spending a number of weeks on the life of Peter, we're going to take a look at his brother Andrew today. Now, as Noah covered in the past month, Andrew was well known for being probably the most vocal of the disciples, one who often spoke before really thinking. Now, Andrew, on the other hand, is recorded as hardly saying a word compared to his brother. But there's still a lot of things we can gather from his life. The few times we do see him mentioned on an individual basis in the scripture is concerned with bringing people to the Lord. And if you're a believer here today who is, concerned, who is interested in bringing someone to the Lord, Andrew is a very good example to follow. The earliest point of his life at which we see Andrew is in John chapter 1. Let's turn there. Verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Now, later in this passage, we see one of, the, one of these two disciples is identified as Andrew. At some point in his life, he realized he was a sinner in need of repentance, so he came to John the Baptist where he was ministering. And we see him already, even before he met the Lord Jesus, that he had a real heart for the Lord and for other people. Like Peter's brother, we know he was a fisherman by trade, but That's not what we see him doing in his first appearance. He had not yet quit his job as a fisherman. Him and Peter do that on a later occasion when the Lord calls him to full-time service. Already we can see that Andrew was not just content being a fisherman. He had been baptized by John the Baptist already, and then in his time not fishing, he was spending his time trying to help John the Baptist in his ministry. And then he meets the Lord Jesus. Let's continue reading on in verse 36. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, Teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. And now it was about the tenth hour. Now, Andrew had probably heard John the Baptist speaking of Jesus for some time now. In the previous passage, John the Baptist had just finished testifying that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah. And Andrew like every other Jewish person, probably has certain expectations. He probably had in his mind that the Messiah would be a heroic, powerful leader who would liberate Israel from the Roman Empire instead of Israel as a great kingdom. But uh, now here we have John the, Pap- John the Baptist, though, pointing to a man who probably wasn't very remarkable looking in appearance. He certainly wasn't dressed in royal robes. But to Andrew's credit, we see... No hesitation on his part. 
and it goes right to following the Lord Jesus. There's not just a desire to follow the Lord. We see also that Andrew wanted to really spend time with the Lord and know him. Andrew remained with the Lord that day. Now, we don't know exactly what transpired between Andrew and the Lord Jesus that day when he remained with him. It's very possible that perhaps the Lord revealed himself to Andrew in a special way, as he did to Nathaniel later. Perhaps he showed Andrew that he knew something of him that only God could know. Or perhaps he spent some time speaking to Andrew and the unnamed disciple, John the Baptist, about the scripture in a way that they had never heard before. We don't really know for sure. And it's also kind of difficult to say when exactly any of the apostles were saved. The Holy Spirit had not yet been given to them. But whatever the case, we know that Andrew came away from this encounter knowing that he had just met someone special. <coughs> someone like he had never met before. And he probably didn't comprehend entirely who Jesus was at the time, but he came away convinced that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. Now, Andrew could have gone off and started serving the Lord right then and there, following the Lord Jesus as he went about teaching the multitudes. But before he could go do that, there was something on his heart, something he felt he had to do first. Let's continue reading on. The same passage. Verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You should be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The Lord Jesus could have gone out to meet Peter himself. And later in the chapter when we see him meet Nathaniel, he could have gone out to meet Nathaniel himself in person. And really, he could do the same today, too. If the Lord wanted to, he could actually save people directly. He could stop an unsafe person in their tracks, appear right in front of them, and share the gospel with them himself. I mean, I know, I know he can share the gospel a lot better than I can. And, you know, he stopped Saul on the way to Damascus. But in general, we see he wants to use people, you know, just ordinary you and me, to bring other people to himself. Turn for a moment to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
And so with Andrew, the Lord makes clear this pattern from the beginning. The Lord wants to use us to spread the gospel. He wants to use us to bring others to him. I'd like to look for a moment, too, at Andrew's motivation in bringing Peter to the Lord. Now, there's actually nothing recorded of Jesus commanding Andrew, bring me your brother Peter. He never says that. I think, it's, uh, I think probably this is something that originated with Andrew himself, this desire to bring Peter to the Lord. And I want you to think back to when you were first saved. Now, when my sister was saved a few years ago, she told me something that jarred a memory, and I was, I, was, I was actually sad I had forgotten about it. But when she was first saved, the moment after she got up from her knees from praying, one of her first thoughts was, how am I going to tell everyone? And that made me think back to when I was first saved. I had this real zeal at first to tell people about how the Lord saved me. I thought to myself, wouldn't it be awesome if all my friends got saved too? The thing is, when you're newly saved, there's no one else you can think about. The Lord Jesus is just so awesome that you want others to meet him. I'd like to say to your friends, there's someone I would love for you to meet. And I think with Andrew, it was probably the same way. After having met the Lord Jesus and spent the, spent the day with him, he was probably thinking something like, Peter has got to meet this man. But then there are some things that might squelch that initial desire to share the Lord with people. Maybe you try to share the gospel with someone and unexpectedly they react in a hostile way. You get a little discouraged. You might get a little fearful about, well, what will happen next time? Or maybe a sense of complacency sets in. I'm sorry, I'm speaking from experience here. The thing is, all of our friends and relatives, everyone we know who's not saved, they all have a serious problem. They're all suffering from a life-threatening illness. They're going to die of their sins. They're going to suffer eternal death and hell unless they're saved. It's something to ask ourselves. Do you really want to be a good friend, a good relative, a good neighbor to someone. And you, ha- you have to try to, you have to introduce them to the Lord Jesus. You have to try it sometime to witness to them. This is a distinct order in witnessing also. I'm just going to read this verse. Before the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven, Acts 1.8 gives a command. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, this was stated to the the disciples, but we can still apply it in our lives individually. Because after we're saved, the Lord has given all of us spheres of influence at different sizes. 
Closest to us, we have close family and friends who don't know the Lord that we should witness to. Then maybe outside of that, there are some neighbors and co-workers that the Lord has set in our hearts. And then there's the end of the earth, the foreign mission field. But something we should ask ourselves is, who is in my Jerusalem? Who is close to me that I have not tried to witness to yet? Going back to Pastor John. And we see with Andrew bringing Peter to the Lord, there was a certain urgency on Andrew's part. In verse 39, it states, Now, it was about the tenth hour, already about five o'clock or so in the day, late in the day. Andrew had remained with the Lord for some time. Perhaps nightfall had already come. But in Andrew's mind, at least, we see that Peter's meeting, meeting the Lord could not wait another day. And we know all that, that we know that all this happened the same day because the next passage, starting in verse 43, when the Lord meets Nathaniel, it says the following day. In the case here of Andrew bringing Peter, we see a quick introduction to the Lord. And while it can be that, and while it can be that fast, oftentimes it's not. Sometimes you might spend years trying to bring someone to the Lord. But we see on Andrew's part that his timing was perfect. He knew his brother was feeling something missing in his life, really someone missing in his life. He knew that Andrew, he knew that Peter would be open and receptive to the Lord. And today also, the Lord's timing is something we should be careful of. If we try to introduce the Lord to someone who's not receptive, we can cause some damage. We can cause, we can end up pushing someone away from the Lord or causing, causing some hard feelings. I can still remember with my sister, before she was saved, I was trying to convince her one day to take a look in the Bible, but she really was not ready. She really was not open to hearing about the Lord at the time, and I ended up offending her. Sometime later, we see Andrew bringing someone to the Lord in a different way. We see him bringing someone to be used up by the Lord, a boy with his lunch. Turn to John chapter 6. Start again, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover... A feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. 
Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Now, the Lord asked the first question to test the disciples. Now, of course, he knew how he was going to feed the multitude. But he wanted to draw out the faith of the disciples. Did any of the disciples really believe that Jesus was who he said he was? Did any of the disciples truly believe that Jesus was God the Son, all-knowing, all-powerful? Because if they did take him at his word, then they would have known that, you know, of course he was capable of, of feeding the multitude and doing a lot more. And it's easy for me to talk like this because, of course, we weren't there. I mean, all a poor, panicked disciple could think in the, in the face of seeing thousands of hungry people is, what, what are we going to do now? It's impossible. And Philip, we see he doesn't actually uh, give a direct answer to Jesus' question, but he's basically saying, Lord, this is impossible. Andrew, in this situation, is the only one of the disciples who actually shows any faith. Now, at first, it doesn't look like he has faith, and it's true he's expressing some doubts here. But let's look, in, let's look, look at again what he says. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And yet, there is real faith here. Andrew could have just looked at the boy with his lunch, a little bread and a little fish, and just passed him by. I mean, humanly speaking, there was no way that that lunch was going to feed more than one person. So why even bother bringing him? But despite, despite him expressing doubt, the fact that Andrew does bring the boy with his lunch shows that he believed, you know, however slightly, that the Lord could use it somehow. And we see a conflict going on in his mind. There's a, the worldly, fleshly part of his mind is thinking, what are they among so many? But then the eye of faith he has, which is kind of open as a squint, is saying, Lord, here is the boy with his two, bar- with his two fish and five barley loaves. Lord, use them. Incidentally, too, we could probably spend a whole message just on the boy with the lunch himself. All the little boy had was five barley loaves and two small fish. And keep in account, too, when um, 
when barley loaves are mentioned, we're not talking about a big loaf of bread from Safeway that can make like a dozen sandwiches out of. They're, they're a lot smaller than that. So the boy's lunch really was not much to look at and by itself would have fed only one person. But in the hands of the Lord, that little lunch became enough to feed thousands of people. And keep in mind, too, when the scripture mentions 5,000 men, it's not uh, taking account, it's not just the number of everyone there, because it mentions 5,000 men, does not mention the, the men's children, the men's wives. There could have been 10,000 people here. Now, the Lord could have made thousands of loaves and fish appear out of thin air, but he chose to use the boy's lunch. It really goes to show that the Lord loves to use what we offer him, even you know, however small it might appear. And now maybe you thought to yourself, you know, what, have I got, what have I got to offer the Lord? I mean, I don't have any particular talents. I don't speak very well. I'm clumsy. Man, I got nothing to offer the Lord. We see from what happened with this boy and his lunch, you know, the Lord is able to make use of very little. And the very little in the hands of the Lord can become more than we can imagine. And I think the boy, he must have been looking pretty wide-eyed after what happened. I mean, he was probably thinking, that was my lunch? <laughs> I think if we saw the impact of some of the small things we give to the Lord, we would probably be just as astounded. You know, perhaps we've offered a small service to one of the saints, or we've given someone a gift in the name of the Lord, or maybe just a short time of prayer may not seem like much. But we'd probably be just as surprised if we saw what the Lord did with it. And as an older brother told me, the Lord probably doesn't let us see a lot of the results from what we do. Otherwise, we'd probably get a little too proud of ourselves. Anyway, getting back to Andrew. The last time that we see Andrew mentioned on an individual basis is in John chapter 12. Starting in verse 20. John 12:20. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. We can see from what Philip does that Andrew must be someone that the other disciples must look up to. I'm not sure. Maybe even by this time he was considered something of an expert at bringing people to the Lord. Philip doesn't really know what to do when the Greeks come up asking to see the Lord Jesus. But he's thinking, well, probably Andrew will know what to do. Andrew doesn't really know what to do either, though, because we both see them. We see them both going up to the Lord Jesus. One thing I was thinking about, I kind of wish I was in Andrew's shoes for a time, but you know, we see Andrew having many opportunities to bring people to the Lord, it seems like. 
And I was thinking at first, you know, Andrew, he had a certain advantage over us believers today in bringing someone to the Lord. You know, after all, he could take a friend of his and bring him up physically to the Lord Jesus face to face. You know, I thought, wouldn't it be kind of cool if you could just take a friend or neighbor, walk down the street to meet the Lord Jesus directly, and the Lord Jesus could share the gospel himself, free from all your own clumsiness, and your neighbor could just see directly what a wonderful person the Lord is, directly face to face. Then again, you know, maybe us believers today are not at such a disadvantage. Now, did you know that the Spirit of Jesus Christ dwells in you if you're a believer? I'm going to read a couple verses. You don't have to turn there. They're in a couple places. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the question is posed, Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? That's not just the Spirit of Jesus Christ, but if you're a believer, you also have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And the Holy Spirit loves to make the Lord Jesus visible. Let's turn just for a moment to John chapter 16, just a few pages to the right. Verse 14. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He will glorify me, the Lord speaking of himself there. There's still a way for the unsaved, to see the Lord Jesus. And that's by seeing him in the, in the lives of believers. A good, a good testimony is so important to bring someone to the, to the Lord. You know, of, course, of course we have to know how to share the gospel. Of course we know, have, know how, must know the word of God to be able to share the word with people. But unless we have a good testimony, unless we're able to gain a person's trust, it can be hard to get close enough to someone to share the gospel effectively. We see with Andrew and Peter, Andrew must have had a good relationship with his brother Peter. Peter must have trusted Andrew, otherwise he would not have come along when Andrew said, we have found the Messiah. I shared this story several years ago, so sorry to those who have already heard it before. It's a good example, I think, of what a good testimony can do in terms of paving the way for the gospel. It's a story I heard uh, from the New Tribes missionaries in Mexico. In Mexico, there's a large indigenous tribe called the Tarumara. They number in the thousands. They live in very steep, remote areas of the Copper Canyon, very hard to get to. And they have their own language. A lot of them don't speak Spanish. 
Now, in the early 1900s, a believer decided to hike around the mountains where these Tarahumara Indians lived. Now, they didn't uh, speak his language, and he didn't speak theirs. But despite that, he went around handing out Spanish Bibles whenever he met them. And even though he couldn't communicate with them, he showed them what love he could through his contact and character. And some years passed. A generation went by. A grandmother in the tribe was able to learn some Spanish through the Bible that had been given to her. Unfortunately, the Bible was lost in a fire. But even after all those years went by, the people still remembered this hiker who had come around hike come around to their uh, villages and still remembered the book that he had brought with him, talking about God. And years later, some new tribes missionaries came to the, to the tribes and began taking them through a chronological study of the Bible. And the amazing thing was that many of these Taramara Indians got saved immediately. Because when the missionaries got to talking about the character of the Lord Jesus, something very interesting happened. When they heard about what the Lord Jesus was like, a lot of the Taramara Indians said, oh, he's already been here. We've met him. <laughs> now, of course, this really threw the missionaries for a loop, and that's when the story about this hiker came out. So even though that man all those years ago could not speak their language, they saw the Lord Jesus in that man. And it's the same today. Everyone that needs to... People today still need to see the Lord Jesus. And the way people see him today is when he's visible in our lives. Now, if you're sitting here today and you aren't saved, there's probably someone in your life, some believer, who's trying to introduced you to the best friend, the Lord Jesus. There may be some things that are keeping you from him. I have to tell you, there's no one who loves you more than he does, and there's nothing more satisfying, more joyful than knowing him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your great salvation and your visiting us. And Lord, do pray for ourselves that you would be visible in our lives, that you would be revealed through our lives, that we would have opportunities to introduce you to other people. Lord, do you pray this in your name?